these nuns would literally take a ruler and smack my hand every time I went to use my left hand. I stabbed a nun with a pencil oh, wow. in the thigh. <laughs> How old were you? How old were you when this happened? I was young. Oh. This was like eight or nine. Oh, wow. So I stabbed the nun with the pencil, and I don't remember everything, but I was done. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. The goal of Along the Way is to identify the moments in life that Jesus really is walking with us and trying to get our attention. But just like the disciples along the way to Emmaus, we are missing those moments that our hearts are burning within us. I want us to be able to identify these moments, learn from others, and apply those lessons to our lives so that we don't miss the blessings God has for us along the way in our life journey. I know that God heals people in miraculous ways, and I love hearing stories of how God demonstrates his power in people's lives. This episode features Tony Myers of the Pushing Boundaries podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network, and he knows firsthand of God's healing power. The first time we connected through a Zoom call, I thought something was wrong with my screen because it looked like his hair and beard were blue. So I had to ask him about it. In this episode, you're going to hear the powerful story of a redeemed angry atheist and the reason why his hair is blue. I'll get to our conversation in just a moment, but I want to thank you for listening to Along the Way. All of my episodes and social links are available on my website, alongtheway.media. All of the links from this episode will be in the show notes. And now, here's my conversation with Tony Myers. Well, Tony Myers, it is great to have you on Along the Way. Thank you so much for being here with me to share your story. You are one of the Charisma Podcast Network superstars in my book. Your testimony is incredible. You've got a great podcast, which we're going to talk about later. But I wish everybody could see you Uh, instead of just hearing you, because you have a very distinct feature that we're going to talk about a little bit later and how this came to be your uh, kind of your calling card, I guess, in a a way. It's something that you're definitely known for, but there's a reason for it. And so we're going to explain that a little bit later. But uh, Tony Myers, it's great to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the pleasure of being here. Yeah. You know, we're we're virtually uh, doing this interview I wish we could do it in person. It'd be great to actually shake your hand, especially knowing what God has brought you through and uh, just the amazing testimony that you have. One day I look for the the opportunity to be able to do that. But right now I'm in Orlando, you're in Virginia. We're connected via the computer. But that's one thing that's great about podcasting is that there's no distance in this stuff and we we can have a great conversation that'll impact people's lives because of what God's done in your life. So... You're a podcaster with the network, and that's the first time that we got to connect was with a a coaching call, I think. Um, We were connecting, and I noticed this thing about you, that uh, you have different colored hair. And so then I asked, asked, whoa, is is there something wrong with my computer screen or yours? And then you said, neither. Um, I I really do have blue hair. And so, uh, so, Tony, can you tell everybody what God has done in your life, and what's with the hair? Well, for starters, God has done so much in my life. Yeah. The biggest thing is the fact he healed me from Lou Gehrig's disease. I was in the final stages 
I could have died and should have died at any time. Mm -hmm. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move anything. And the Lord, in his great mercy, he brought me out of that. And July 4, 2012, I stood up for the first time in years out of the wheelchair, started walking, started talking, was able to move, was able to eat. I went six months with zero, zero sustenance. Wow. At all. I had no feeding tube. I had no intravenous feeding. They would place liquid on my tongue. I couldn't swallow. But yet my stomach was paralyzed, so it would just sit in my stomach and turn to rock. Oh, my gosh. That's just the starting point. Wow. Well, after my healing, I wrote The Lord Jesus Sealed Me, my testimonial book. Mm-hmm. And that was approximately 2016. It took me five years because I was digesting what had happened as well. Right. And I was learning scriptures the first three years after because I had been an atheist. I hadn't read scriptures, didn't know nothing except what I had heard my wife say and a few other people. Mm -hmm. Then I wrote the book. I started writing another one, Unlocking the Mystery of Divine Healing. I was just fixing to publish it. Mm -hmm. I was about three days from publishing it. All of a sudden, I had this dream. And this dream was myself teaching healing. At the end of it, this old man walked up to me and said, wear the color of your healing. Now, in all my studies from different cultures, from the Mm -hmm. Jewish culture, the color blue is considered to be the color of healing. Really? And so I related blue to healing. Hmm. Now, that, I was like, okay, but I've got blue tattoos. Okay. I wear blue shirts. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have blue on all the time. This dream has got to just be me. Okay. The next night, had the same dream. Hmm. Exactly the same dream. The next night, the same dream. Then I went to get a haircut. And Liz was the one, she she had started doing my hair Hmm. after my healing She was aware of my testimony. We had talked about it. She wasn't particularly a religious person. Hmm. Out of her mouth, all of a sudden, she said, wear the color of your healing. Just like She said that. Just like that old man had said it. I did like a double take, and I was like, wait a minute, Liz. What did you just say? And her eyes got big, and she's like, I don't know why I said it, Tony. Mm-hmm. But I said, wear the color of your healing. She turns the chair around. One of her hairdressers had blue hair. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> now, you know those instances where deep down you just know that you know. Right, right. And a picture flashed through my mind of my hair blue 
and the beard and mustache blue. Mm -hmm. And Liz was like, I'll do it right now, Tony. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, you won't. I hadn't even told my wife oh, wow. about the dreams, Oh, okay. let alone anything else. So I was not going to walk into our house with blue hair. I would have had frying pans hitting me. Yeah, yeah. So I went home, told her about the dreams, told her what happened, and she's like, I'll hate it, but if you feel that's God, you do it. Wow. So two days later, <laughs> I had it dyed blue, been blue ever since. So how many years has it been now that your hair and beard and mustache has been blue? That would be one, two, three, about four years now. About four years now. Yeah. So you are really wearing the color of your healing in a way that uh, is probably not the way that I would that I would think about wearing the color of your healing. But it is definitely something that I'm sure sparks a lot of conversations and it gives you opportunities to share your testimony. And I, I do want to go back, though, because you said something that I, I just can't let let slide. You said that you were an atheist. So an atheist is a little bit different than an agnostic that's just, you know, there might be a God, but I don't, I don't know him. So you, you at a point in your life were an atheist. I want to hear how you became an atheist and then how God revealed himself to you and you became a Christian. So can we kind of like take a pause from the story and then go back? Because I need to hear how God met you and saved you. <laughs> My parents were Roman Catholic. They tried to raise me as Roman Catholic. They actually had me at one point in a Catholic school. I was left-handed. These nuns would literally take a ruler and smack my hand every time I went to use my left hand. I stabbed a nun with a pencil oh, wow. in the thigh. <laughs> How old were you? How old were you when this happened? I was young. Oh, this was like... Eight or nine. Oh, wow. So I stabbed the numb with the pencil, and I don't remember everything, but I was done. Uh -huh. And I'm sure I got suspended or whatever. I don't even remember. I always rebelled against that. And then mm. I had a situation where I was in the bathtub. All of a sudden, the room got bright, and Jesus appeared in the bathroom. Now, to me, and this is the way I remember it, mm -hmm. Jesus was angry with me. Hmm. He didn't say a word. And his arms were like in a position of anger. Hmm. And this is the way I remember it. But it was like Jesus was angry at me. He didn't say a word. And I'm like, well, if you're not going to talk to me, then I'm not going to talk to you. Wow. That day is the first step towards becoming an atheist. Hmm. Shortly after that, uh, I had two friends that got decapitated in a car wreck. Oh, wow. In my mind, Jesus was angry at me, and he did it. Hmm. And then I'm like, okay. And that's where I decided. And that would have been when I was about 10 or 11 and pretty much that's where I said, well, you don't exist. I'm done. Mm. And so that's where a lot of that came about. And then I got a hold of drugs early, got a hold of alcohol and all that go along with that. 
was not hanging around the best of crowds. Mm. And here's the thing. Looking back, there are so many times. Now, I do include that first encounter where I saw Jesus. Now, I can see it in the right light mm. instead of him being angry. Yet, uh, that was just me at the time. I mean, I grew up believing God was an angry God. And to me, Jesus was God, so he was angry too. Mm. Yet, there were so many times I'm alive today only because he intervened that I would not have even mentioned before. That at the time, I didn't even look at that way. Mm. There was a time, there were two major incidents and this, these would have been, this was actually before the military even, and the numerous times in the military, but <laughs> I'm sure there were two times. One time, me and a person I hung around with, we were going to buy some drugs. And the fellow I was with, he was being mouthy to the dealer. The dealer turns around, pulls a pistol out. He's at my side. I was a passenger puts it up against my head, pulls the trigger, my brains should have been splattered all over the place. Wow. There was no way he missed. Even the driver was like, because as soon as it happened, he took off. Mm. And so he, we got away from the whole situation. He's like, man, how, how is your brain still intact? How are you alive? So did it just misfire? It went off. Wow. In fact... The rear driver's side window shattered from the bullet. Oh, my goodness. So it wasn't a misfire. At the time, neither one of us could explain it. And I didn't put it on God. By that time, I decided God didn't exist. Mm -hmm. The other time was, once again, I was coming from a party that had been drinking. I was in the middle of the street. I was crossing the street. Out of nowhere, this car came speeding up. And the car was not slowing down, wanted to hit me. Mm. Right as the car should have made contact with me, all of a sudden I was lifted up in the air. I ended up landing softly. Okay. As far as I know, that car never touched me. Mm. I wound up 50 feet away. I ran. Now this time I had a gun. Mm. And I ran to the car. I was going to shoot the fella. It, uh, then he sped off. His face, when I saw his face, all the blood had been drained from his face. He was mm -hmm. terrified. Of course, I was coming at him with a gun. Yeah. So, <laughs> but a few years ago, I had asked the Lord about that. Hmm. And he gave me a dream that it was an angel lifting me up. This was the last couple of years, like 2018 yeah. or so is when I asked him. And that's what he showed me. And along with everything that happened, that's the only thing that makes sense. So all along the way, even while I was denying God, he was doing things in my life. That's easy to see, yeah. Wow. And so I did want to share those two specific incidents where... The Heavenly Father is a loving Father that is trying to woo us to Himself. Right. He absolutely is. And my life pretty much is, paints the picture of that. Yeah. You know, Tony, as you're, as you're talking, you mentioned a couple of times about drugs and guns. 
you probably were living what we would consider a bit of a prodigal living. You were obviously far from God at that point, but God wasn't far from you. And as you're talking about this, like it's it, you're already pointing out those moments where Jesus was right there protecting me or an angel was there protecting me. Talk about your your spirit for a little bit. Talk about your your soul and your relationship to God. What what were you thinking about these things? Because you were you were trying to distance yourself from God. How were you at those moments justifying what was actually happening? Honestly, I pushed it out of my mind. Mm. In the sober moments I had, I mean, in those days, I had anything but rational thoughts. Mm. Okay. So I can't even say that. I had to push it away because my mind was so clouded. And not only that, I mean, I'm sure I had mental illnesses after when I got out of the military. You know, they were giving me a laundry list of supposed mental illnesses, depression, all that stuff, mm-hmm. PTSD. Uh, and so I did not have very many moments of sanity. Mm. Okay. Now, these... These situations and all, I would say I started remembering as I was writing my testimonial book, really. Hmm. And that's when a lot of these things came back to my memory. I had pushed them so far deep down that there were so many things. I had completely forgotten about seeing Jesus. Hmm. There were so many of these situations I had just totally pushed so far down in my memory and hadn't thought of them at all that they actually had, especially after my healing, had a triple effect on me, Hmm. a real powerful effect of how much I was overwhelmed with God's love that he would bring me through all of this while I was denying him. Hmm. Wow. So... There came a point where you were no longer denying Jesus, and I'm glad that that happened. You know, I'm glad that you did give your life to the Lord. Can we focus in on that part of your story? Because you've painted a good picture of who you were before Christ now. How is it that, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of times where with what you've already said that I would have said, okay, God, you can have my life. But it took you a little bit longer than that. Uh, How did you really come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and make him the forgiver of your past and really the leader of your future? Honestly, it wasn't until I was 43, and it was around, that would have been around 2009. Really, it started in 2006 with my wife. The first. You you got married before you were saved? No, we got married in 2011. Okay, okay. I met my wife. Uh, She lived in Virginia. I was in Alabama. We had a phone conversation for, it was about two years. We were getting to know each other. I knew she was a Christian. This was the first Christian woman I had really ever even talked to for especially anything Mm. intimate details for sure. This was the first woman that was living a Christian life that I'd really been in contact with. And so over that two-year period, we got to know each other. Now, when she would bring up God or Jesus, I did not tell her for a long time I was an atheist. I told her me and God had issues. Okay. And stay out of it. 
<laughs> That's right. pretty much yeah. what I told her. Then when I went to move to Virginia, that was in towards the end of 2008, I told her, when I get up there, hey, you can have your Bible, you could go to church, you could do whatever. I'm not saying anything about that. Just don't let me see a Bible. Do not ask me to go to church. As a, those, those are my conditions. Hmm. Now, the disease had already started, started then, but I was pretty much pushing through. Were you aware that it had started at that point? Yes, because what started happening, I called it death tired. I would just wake up, be heading to work, and could not keep my, I had such exhaustion mm. that I would have to pull over and take a power nap throughout the day. I would have, I was a welder. I would have mm. to sneak away and sleep because I would get so tired that I could not keep my eyes open at all, just 100% drained. And this was constant throughout every day. Also, I got to where I couldn't eat. Uh, my stomach felt as if it had rocks in it. Mm. And so when I ate, which would be two or three times a week, it would be bites. Wow. So then I moved move to Virginia, and I'm watching my, now my wife. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> Deb okay. is her name. Uh, I'm watching Deb. And she had such a love for people, and she was really, and just, even when I was in Alabama, she was smoothing some of my rough edges off, and I didn't even realize it. Mm. Now I know the Holy Spirit inside of her. Yeah. So when I was actually face-to-face -face with her, there was one time we walked into a McDonald's in Knoxville, Tennessee. There was a panhandler there. And she was like, give him $10. And I'm like, wait a minute. No. Mm -hmm. Do you realize he's probably got more stashed away in his right boot than you have in your bank account? She's like, no, he needs it. You just give it. Mm. And I'm thinking, doesn't this woman understand what this fella's doing? Because <laughs> I was privy to the streets. Yeah. I lived on the streets. I knew the streets. She's like, I don't care. Give it to him. Okay. So I just saw that unselfish love that started rubbing the edges off of me. And then in 2009, which she says that she's the one that mentioned it, but by 2009, I was having to use a walker. Mm -hmm. I couldn't work anymore. My speech was becoming more and more slurred. And so I was struggling very much so physically. But here's this woman with just a heart of gold and a giving heart. Yeah. And then one of us, whether it was me or her, mentioned going to church. And so then I went to church for the first time. It wasn't until about two and a half years later. Actually, it was 2011. At one o'clock in the morning, when we had just gotten married at that time, and all these details are in the Lord Jesus healed me, but mm -hmm. we had just gotten married, and she had left, 
I don't know whether which station, it was a Christian station, and there was some preacher talking. To this day, I don't know who it was. Mm-hmm. And he's like doing the old altar call thing. For some reason that day, I just broke down. And I said, Jesus, dude, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> That's a great prayer. Jesus, dude, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> that's that's about as real as they come, man. That's real. And now, that was an overwhelming moment for me, but yet I still didn't have a Bible, still didn't own a Bible. I still thought like an atheist. Right. And there was no—I I put it like this. I accepted Jesus that day the best I could. Mm. And that's the best way. I mean, I was still thinking as an atheist. I still hadn't read scriptures, had been to this church a couple of times. Yet then one day we went to the fellow that was the pastor. And I was like, okay, you might as well baptize me because I'm a dead man. Mm. And this was 2011 when I was already in the wheelchair and things were pretty desperate. And so my wife looks at me and she says, you have to accept Jesus first. Hmm. And I said, well, I think I did. And then I told her about that night because she'd been sleeping. She didn't know nothing about it. Right. I said, I think I did. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I went through being baptized, didn't understand it, didn't have a clue about it really. I was really doing that for her sake of mind. Uh, During one of the sermons, I think I had heard them talk about baptism or something. And it was like, okay, I need to do this for her. Mm. And so that's when I asked the pastor. And then it took four guys to carry me up the baptismal. There were like 14 steps. It was very narrow to go up to the baptismal because they put me in the water in the wheelchair Wow. After they carried me up, took four big guys, they set me down. What they didn't realize, the wheelchair was light mm-hmm. because they had transferred me to another wheelchair. They they had borrowed an athletic wheelchair mm-hmm. because they couldn't have moved the other one, 350-pound one. They couldn't have moved that. Sure. So they sent me down, let go to take a breather, and the wheelchair went backwards, and I almost got baptized twice. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so in that day that I was baptized, I did feel like electricity going through my body and stuff. Mm, wow. So I did. It was the Holy Spirit letting me know, but I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. Most of what I heard at the church was going in one ear and out the other ear. Yeah. So, Tony, at that point, how far along was your ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease? Like, how much time was the doctor giving you? At that time, that would have been early 2011. Okay. And pretty much uh, the diagnosis was in March. Well, by June, they had pretty much, well, you live too far. So we can't offer you home health care or anything else. So it pretty much sent me home to die. Oh, my goodness. They were saying that you lived too far from their facilities for them to do anything. Yes. Oh, wow. Which was, which was three hours away, actually. Wow. But this was with the VA. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And what ended up happening, 
is we went to a, a local neurological doctor's. Uh, we went to one in Knoxville that was civilian. And he saw me one time and pretty much agreed with all that. He had a bunch of tests. You know, we did that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that was the first and last time. Well, we saw him. They gave, he gave us diagnosis. He said, this is ALS plus hmm. because not only, he said, I've never seen nothing like it because not only is the sheath, the nerve, the what carries the nerve, not only is that dying, but your nerve signals are just dying. Mm. It's not being sent from your brain. I've never seen anything like this. Wow. And so at that point, we had no way to transport me or anything else. Mm. And so that was really the last time that I went to him. The rest of the time, it was at home. Now, he put us in touch with a civilian doctor. That civilian doctor got me home health care. And so home health care started coming. Mm. And so I did have that as well. But by 2011, things were already dismal. I couldn't get out of the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. It was a big 350-pound motorized wheelchair, and I was in 24-07. Wow. So at this point, they're just helping you manage the pain before you pass away, right? That's what normally happens with this diagnosis. Not even that, only because since my stomach was completely paralyzed, none of the medicines, they they had me on like 25 medicines my wife would have to crush, put on my tongue, and it would basically dissolve in my mouth. She would mix it up with the Ensure or the baby food, (laughs) nasty stuff, all of it. But it was doing no good because yeah. it was sitting there turned to rock in my stomach. When you say turned to rock, are you being facetious or is it what actually... No, I'm being was, serious. You're being serious. Because my it. stomach was not moving at all. It was gastroparesis was the name. Wow. Normally not associated with ALS. And that's one reason that the neurological doctor saying this is ALS plus... Because normally, and I wasn't a diabetic or anything like that. And so this was something that was not normally associated with ALS. Yeah. So what happened next? Tell me about this healing. July 4th, 2012. At this point, how many years have you been uh, suffering? Six years. Six years every day. Six years. Wow. Okay, go ahead. My normal routine was trying to figure out how to kill myself. I was already a dead man. My wife was struggling trying to take care of me. Home health care, they would come in, but this this is not the caregivers where they would come in and take care of me. They simply would come in, look at my pulse, you know, just do that stuff, record it, and that was pretty much it. Mm. So I saw my wife struggling I was like, this has got to be over. And in fact, two weeks before my healing, I tried to get a car to run run over me, me in my wheelchair. Mm. And I still, to this day, I don't know how I operated the wheelchair, but got it to move and went to the four lane, 
that's when I would try to get a car to run over me. My wife had left to go get her groceries, and no one would hit me. No one had a bad day at work. Mm. I mean, <laughs> wow. And I am being a little sarcastic on that one. <laughs> the wheelchair was so slow mm-hmm. that I was was literally sitting there, and no one, everybody just swerved around me. So then after. 20 minutes or so went back to the house. A week before my healing, the speech and swallowing therapist came in and he was white as a ghost. He said, I saw you walking. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're crazy. Now at that point I couldn't talk, Yeah. but I'm thinking you're crazy. And I think I shook my head like that or I think he had a vision is what I believe. Hmm. I don't believe that he was a Christian. Uh, never found out for sure, but right. so he had, and he told me this, and I'm like, dude is crazy. Mm-hmm. A week later to the day, that was on a Wednesday, July the 4th was the following Wednesday. So I'm there in the morning time trying to figure out how, how do I get this thing over with? I just want to die. My wife shouldn't have put up with this anymore. But when you can't, I couldn't shoot myself because mm-hmm. I couldn't use my hands, couldn't stab myself, couldn't even swallow, so I couldn't get myself poisoned. Wow. And these were the thoughts I was having. How do I end it? Mm-hmm. I remember looking at the clock, and it was 1.45 in the afternoon. All of a sudden, this thought came that Jesus suffered more in one day on the cross than I had suffered this whole time. Hmm. And even though at the time it made no sense to me why I was thinking this, now I know it was the Holy Spirit. But then I just started thinking about the whipping post Hmm. and what that must have been like for Jesus and I was using my imagination at first. And then all of a sudden it came as an open vision. Imagine mm-hmm. a hologram. Wow. I was aware I was still in the corner, in the living room, in the wheelchair. But it was as if I was standing right there in front of Jesus as he was being whipped. Hmm. And all the fine details. Now, I hadn't read about Jesus' crucifixion that I remember because I didn't even own a Bible at the time. Mm -hmm. My wife had her Bibles. I didn't have one. I saw chunks of flesh from the front first. Hmm. Now, this cat of nine tails, imagine it wrapping around the front first. There was such a demonic fury with the the soldier that was doing the whipping, as it wrapped around, he was pulling it back, it was ripping the flesh off, blood was spattering in the air, hmm. blood was piling up at his feet, chunks of flesh was coming off of him, first from his front, then from his back. I'm watching this, and then the scene switches to the cross. And he's on the cross, and there's nothing. His his legs did not look like legs. Hmm. They were bent, twisted, all sorts of things. 
uh, bloated. I mean, blood pouring out. It was the, you know, the passion, the movie, the passion, times ten. Mm. Nothing about him looked human except his eyes. Hmm. Our gaze locked, and that's when I felt the love. I felt a peace come over me mm. that I never felt before. Before that time, all I saw was darkness. There could, it could be a sunshiny day. It could be a bright room, whatever. Everything would be dark. At that moment, everything turned bright. It was as if scales just dropped away from my eyes. Wow. I saw things differently. And then what happened was uh, I said, Jesus loves me. I said that three times. Hmm. And then the first words out of my mouth was, back pain, leave. I said that three times. Now, when I say I said that, Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know whether I was verbally speaking at that point or whether it was in my thoughts. Yeah. And that was three times. Back pain, leave. Because I had had severe back problems, a laundry list, and that's one thing I should throw out there is just besides ALS, there are so many other things wrong. Severe emphysema, blah, blah, blah. A laundry list. There was not one part of my body yeah. prior to my healing that was healthy. Hmm. So then I said, in the name of Jesus, three times. Hmm. All of a sudden, it was like a sledgehammer hit me, and I recognized there was no pain at all. Really? A good sledgehammer then? A good sledgehammer, <laughs> not a bad one. <laughs> it just all of a sudden just dawned on me, wait a minute, there is no pain. Hmm. This has been back pain I'd been suffering from 25 plus years. It went away. Hmm. Then I just basically did the same thing that I just done. So fingers move, fingers move, fingers move. They started moving. Wow. They had been balled up in a fist is how they stayed. At this point, I navigated the wheelchair to the threshold of the bedroom because it wouldn't fit in the bedroom. And I am there at the threshold. I'm still not able to lift my arms up, but I'm moving my fingers and my hand. Wow. And I'm showing my wife. <laughs> and then I said, if the Lord's willing, I'll be back walking. Now, my wife said she understood what I was saying at that point. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I went back into the living room, back into my little corner. Then I just said, legs move. I said that three times. They moved. Mm. They hit the floor at the same time. And I said, Jesus, don't let me fall. And then I stood up, started walking towards the bedroom, and I was looking like Frankenstein. My wife got a beautiful look on her face, but she was in shock. Oh, yeah. I was in shock. But when I got to the bedroom, my voice cleared up. My arms started moving. Uh, it was Everything was starting to come back to life. And then it was approximately two hours later that I had my first meal, solid food. It was at Cracker Barrel. And to which the next day the home health care nurse came in and she said, well, that proved it was God because you should have taken one bite and since it had been so long since you'd eaten, your body should have gone into shock, and you should have died. 
That's what she told us then. But I cleaned the whole plate off. What did you order at the Cracker Barrel? I got to hear this. Country fried steak. Oh, you weren't messing around. You went right for the good stuff. (laughs) On an empty stomach from not needing for six months, you go right for fried food. That is a true healing right there. (laughs) And when you look at it, it's pretty much six years because all those times prior, all I could do was eat bites. Mm-hmm. I'm talking just literally a bite. Mm-hmm. And that started 2006. So you look at that. I wasn't eating enough to sustain my body back then, let alone when my stomach completely stopped. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. So there is no one that can tell me that God just throws atheists to the wayside, that God just, mm-hmm. no. Now, granted, my wife had been praying for me, no doubt about that. She was, she was the rock that was holding my arms up when I couldn't hold my own up because of my own beliefs. Yeah. So I'm not negating other people's prayer at all. Yet, here was I, essentially still an atheist, I'm saying that only because prior to the vision, I was still Mm -hmm. thinking like an atheist. Sure, sure. But no one could tell me God doesn't answer prayers Mm. of people that even confess they don't believe in him. Because I think deep down inside, and I know this from my own experience, although while I was an atheist, I would have never admitted to it. But I'm here to say My problem wasn't that I didn't believe that there was a God. My problem was I was misinformed about God. Mm. I misrepresented God and had God misrepresent to me. Hmm. So I hated him. I hated my perception of him. Wow. I'm glad you made that that distinction because that's one of the devil's biggest tactics is misrepresenting Jesus, misrepresenting God the Father, and getting us to believe that he isn't who he really is. You know, getting us to believe that he is a angry being in the sky that's looking for us to swipe us down or to, you know, throw lightning bolts at us, you know, when God is a loving Father. He does want justice, he does want holiness and and purity, but he is a loving Father. Jesus came and died for us because John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is a great promise that God has given us. And he didn't just say those words. He acted those words out. He really did. And the vision that, that Jesus showed you of himself being crucified like that is really bringing tears to my eyes. Whether I'm not sure if you can see them as, as we're looking at each other <laughs> here, but I, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's, that's incredible. And then to know that you just started saying, Jesus loves me. You know, Tony, at the beginning of your story, you thought that, that Jesus was angry at you. You had a vision of Jesus as a kid, or while you were a kid, of Jesus with his, with his arms crossed, and you thought that he was angry with you. And you've been brought to a point where you're on your deathbed with this ALS and this diagnosis that you've only got maybe minutes, weeks, days, once, whatever it is, not a whole lot of time. 
But when you actually believe that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me, and you can say it, that's when your healing really starts to take effect. Absolutely. That is an incredible, incredible testimony. I, I want you to be able to minister right now. We're going to go a little bit out of order because I do want to ask you some other questions. But right now, I just feel like there's people out there that they don't know who Jesus is. And if they do, they think he's mad at them. But Tony, through your testimony, you have a way to minister the love of God and the healing power of Jesus in a way that there's a special anointing upon that. Would you just minister to somebody right now that thinks that God is angry at them and minister the love of Jesus? Right now, I just speak for, for those who see God and Jesus as being harsh. I just speak that the Holy Spirit who is in you is quickening to you His love and His peace and releasing His peace, His love, liquid gold over you so that you feel it in a tangible way that you cannot deny it. His love all over you like a comfortable blanket. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has doubts about the Father's love, about Jesus' love for us, it's Him hugging you like a warm blanket. Mm -hmm. I also speak to those that have doubts. He so loved us. Why do we love him? Because he so loved us that he was willing to lay his life down in an horrific way that is beyond words for just you. I speak right now. You just feel his presence inside of you. And that heart that tries to become stone is now pliable and open. Thank you, Jesus. And I speak healing emotionally, physically, in every way right now. I speak the life of the Holy Spirit breathed into your chest, breathed into your lungs, throughout your whole body. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tony, for doing that. I receive that. And I pray that everybody else that needed to receive that really does as well. And if you if you are one of those people that, that I felt and then Tony uh, ministered to, I want you to reach out to us. There'll be ways to do that in the show notes, in the description that you can connect to me or connect to Tony. And we want to be able to help you. We want to be able to, to connect you to Jesus however we can. You know, Jesus loves you enough that he's enabled you to listen to this this podcast conversation and to hear this incredible testimony of how Jesus healed Tony in such a miraculous way. The Bible says that healing is the children's bread, and it is not something that is only for certain people. Everybody can walk in that healing that God has for us. And uh, I just want to encourage you to do that. In a little bit, I'm going to ask Tony to talk about his podcast so you can hear more about him Throughout this conversation, you've kind of already pointed out those moments where 
Jesus was walking with you, but you didn't realize it in the moment. You, you've you already gone. You've already been pretty retrospective with that. So I appreciate kind of working those moments into the conversation. But my follow-up question that I always ask that is still applicable right now is, Tony, if you could go back in time and visit a young version of yourself and you could give yourself some advice, talk to yourself, whatever it is, what's going on in your life at that moment that today's Tony would want to go back and talk to young Tony? What's going on and what what advice or what would you say? Wow. (laughs) I think I would go back to the time when I saw Jesus and I would tell that Tony, he's, he's not angry with you. He loves you. That would have changed my whole life. If I would have recognized then that it would have been of love. And honestly, now, Tony, and I would say this to myself, you saw your perception of what you had been shown. Mm. You were not seeing the way his arms were open, not, not, not closed off. Hmm. He what didn't have his arms crossed. He had them open. But just because of your perception and your young mind, that's what you saw. But he is in love with you and wooing him to himself. Hmm. So wooing you to himself. That's what I t- would tell a young Tony because that was the most pivotal part and when I really made the decision then Hmm. that uh, I don't want this God well I didn't want the God I was shown Hmm. but you weren't shown the real Jesus you that's not what you were looking at you were looking at a screwed up version of that based off of what you would what you had thought and man I just I feel for that little Tony I really do (laughs) Because, man, we really need to know, first and foremost, who God is and who he, really, who he really is and that he's loving and kind, but also who God made us to be. And Amen. our identity in Christ is so important. And, you know, there's a lot of emotional healing that can come from knowing who we are in Christ. I don't want to miss an opportunity to talk about your podcast, Tony, because I've really enjoyed this conversation. Your testimony is is very powerful, and I pray that it does minister to a lot of people from this short conversation that we've had. But if they want to hear more about you and and how you minister, I mean, you have a podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. It's Pushing Boundaries. I want to hear about that, what you do, what's the focus of your podcast and how people can find that. The focus of my podcast is the supernatural kingdom of God. The main focus is healing But it's you working with the Holy Spirit inside of you to get your healing. Although I pray for people every single day. Mm -hmm. I have no problems praying for people. I want to minister to people face-to-face, over the phone, through emails, every Mm -hmm. which way. But if you give a man a fish, he Mm -hmm. eats one meal. Teach him how to fish. Mm Mm-hmm. Really, what my podcast is about 
is pointing the finger away from Tony and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. If I get the listener to be in touch and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I've done my job and I can retire. <laughs> Amen. Because the Holy Spirit is so much a better teacher, instructor, a comforter, everything that mm -hmm. all my focus is to get all the trash traditions out of the way, to get all this misthinking, like we talked about with, with my story, having the wrong idea about God. And I give my experience on, and most of the time, it only takes a few tweaks to mm. literally have your healing. It's just a few changes in our perception. We don't have to have perfect faith. Mm -hmm. We don't have to have all the correct beliefs. I didn't. <laughs> That's true. I mean, true. I'm the poster child for believing everything wrong. Mm. Yet I was still healed and spoke over myself, yet I was still healed. Yeah. So you don't have to be perfect in this walk. That is a relief. That is one <laughs> of the things I really want to drive home to people. Yeah. We think it takes a perfect belief. People look at me and think I was perfectly believing. Oh, no, I wasn't. After my healing, we went to a worship service. After a worship service, we ran by, got me a Bible. I started reading the Bible, but I asked the Lord. I said, how in the world did I get healed? <laughs> as far as I was aware, I had no faith. Mm. Now, that started me on the journey, which started me on writing, on writing Unlocking the Mystery of Divine Healing. The Holy Spirit started showing me and showed me the pivotal points when I was believing, I just didn't know it. Mm. Because for the first time in my life, I was believing from my heart. Wow. So that is what Pushing Boundaries is about. It's really about pointing people to the Holy Spirit and relying on Him because He can do so much more than I can. Amen. Amen. Now, how can people find your podcast? Well, of course, it's on Charisma Podcasts. Mm -hmm. It's also on Spotify, iTunes, Apple, all the regular places. I also have a YouTube channel that... I do the recorded video of the teaching. And people can see your blue hair if they do that. So I'll make exactly sure Exactly right. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. just simply Tony Myers healing. Great. And you'll know it's me because the dude will have blue hair. <laughs> I'll make sure to put those links in the description. And that way you can just click that, everybody that's listening, and you want to check that out. But, Tony, it is a pleasure to have you on here. I'd like to talk more with you at some point and just to continue to hear more about how God is using you in healing. And I'm so grateful that you're also a part of the Charisma Podcast Network and that we get to do life together virtually through podcasting and to help reach people around the world. Tony, thank you so much for allowing me to join you along your way. Amen. Thank you very much, John, for having me. It's my honor. 
Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That helps more people discover Along the Way. And subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. If you want to support me in this podcast, I have a Patreon page as well. The link to become a supporter is also in my show notes. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey. And may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Along the Way is honored to be part of the Charisma Podcast Network. You can find tons of spirit-filled content from their vast catalog of podcasts, including my Monday through Friday news stories for the Charisma News Podcast. Go to CPN Shows to see the full list and latest episodes.